Hey, I'm Dr. Michael Hunter, forensic pathologist from Autopsy, Reels Channel's medical mystery series on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to download the Podcast One app and subscribe. Then go to reels.com, that's R-E-E-L-Z.com, to find more programs like this one on Reels Channel. On July 29, 1974, Mama Cass Elliot was found dead in London. The fabulous Mama Cass Elliot. One of the most influential figures of the hippie scene, she rose to fame as a member of folk rock band The Mamas and the Papas, who took the world by storm with their hit California Dreamin', along with a string of classic songs. Mama Cass was the band's heart and soul. Everybody knows I'm Mama Cass. Frank Sinatra sent her a personal note saying, you have the best phrasing of any singer I've ever heard. When she was on stage, she lifted everybody. That's why she became a superstar. Redefining perceptions of how female artists should look and behave. She was this absolute role model for every girl that didn't fit in at the high school prom. But her appetites for excess were as legendary as her voice. At her worst, she would drive into the worst parts of town to score drugs. And her roller coaster career was matched by an equally turbulent personal life. Now, forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter is taking a fresh look into the untimely death of this talented and much-loved star. The death certificate states that Cass died from what is described today as cardiomyopathy of obesity, which has a detrimental effect on overall heart function. However, it's unusual for someone of 32 to die from this alone, and I believe there were other factors at play. The urban myth surrounding Cass's death is that she choked on a ham sandwich while lying in bed and watching TV. I need to find out whether there is any truth to this story. So I'm going to need to analyze all of the available information to uncover what really killed Cass Elliot. World-renowned forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter has conducted thousands of autopsies. He's the chief medical examiner in one of America's biggest cities and investigates suspicious deaths. The coroner stated Cass Elliot died from heart issues relating to obesity. But in my experience with someone so young, I don't believe that this is the full story. I'm going to use all the medical information and firsthand accounts to separate fact from fiction and reveal the true cause of Cass Elliot's untimely death. July 15, 1974, London, England, two weeks before her death. 32-year-old Cass Elliot is beginning a two-week booking at the prestigious London Palladium. It's a dream come true. Donald Von Wiedenman, ex-husband and friend. She told me that her life's ambition at that point was to play the London Palladium, and she'd be happy. However, there are more than dreams at stake. It's six years since she quit the Mamas and the Papas, and after a disappointing start to her solo career, it's vital that these shows are a success. Eddie Fiegel, biographer. She had a lot riding on it, because if the shows weren't a success, that would potentially have a big impact on her career and her ability to support herself and her daughter. Cass is twice divorced, but remains good friends with ex-husband Donald von Wiedemann, 
They speak regularly during her time in London. But her latest love is tour manager and new boyfriend, George Caldwell. Walter Painter, Cass Elliott director and choreographer. We felt very confident that she was going to do well because nobody knew what we knew, that she could sing and she could dance and she could talk and make jokes and be funny. Take it away. But two weeks after the debut performance, Cass Elliott will be dead. At the time of her death, Cass Elliott weighed 224 pounds. And at 5 foot 5 inches and with a body mass index of 37, she was clinically obese and twice the healthy weight for a woman of her height. But she was performing two 70-minute shows a day for two weeks prior to her death, which takes stamina. Therefore, despite being overweight, she appeared to be in relatively good health at the end of her life. So at this stage in the investigation, the cause of death is not immediately apparent. Cass Elliott was born Ellen Naomi Cohen in Baltimore, September 1941, the eldest child of Philip and Bess Cohen. Her politically active parents encouraged the bright and articulate Cass to develop her own ideas and celebrated her individuality from an early age. Cass was nonconformist in her personality, and she also didn't look like most other young girls. Cass's weight was an issue throughout her school years, and she was constantly bullied because of the way she looked. But she didn't let that hold her back. She almost made a virtue of it, saying, well, if you're not going to accept me the way I am, I'm going to do things my own way. We have to know from Cass what she wanted to be when she was 17 or so. Barry McGuire, singer, songwriter, and friend. She just knocked my socks off. I fell in love with her. She just, uh, all that great humor. I wanted to be a little taller <laughs> and possibly richer. But for Cass, there was only one true calling. She was born to sing. She was born to be who she became. Knowing that her weight would be an obstacle, Cass said she was going to be the most famous fat girl that ever lived. She used to say to people, I'm going to be a star, and people used to look at her like, yeah, right. In the early 1960s, Cass moved to Greenwich Village, New York, the hippest destination for aspiring singers. That's where the music was happening, and you could stand on the street corner and sing and make enough money to pay your rent for the night. She was loved and respected by other people on the scene almost immediately because musicians instantly respected her talent. Her voice was just very unique. When you heard her sing, you knew it was her. She was uh, one of a kind. Cass spent a couple of years touring with folk bands, such as The Big Three and The Mugwumps, where she met her musical soulmate, Denny Doherty. Their voices in harmony, along with husband and wife John and Michelle Phillips, would provide the unique sound of the mamas and the papas. First time I heard the mamas and papas, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. I thought it was the best sound I'd ever heard. Within months, the mamas and the papas were as famous as the Beatles and went on to sell over 40 million records with a sound that defined the mid-60s and the emerging hippie culture. Looking at Cass's medical history, one thing I noticed is that around this time she suffered a head injury that resulted in a concussion requiring hospitalization. 
I need to look into this to see if it had any long-term consequences on our overall health. 1965, the Virgin Islands. Just before the mamas and the papas formed, Cass went on vacation with friends Denny, John, and Michelle. The three of them were in a band together, which Cass was keen to join. But songwriter John Phillips said her voice wasn't good enough. She hung around with the group, and the club they were rehearsing in had, was under restoration, and there was like piping and, and scaffolding above the door. And she went into the rehearsal one day, and the scaffolding fell on her. The metal pipe caused a concussion, but once she'd recovered, Cass made a surprising discovery. Her voice had gained two notes, and she could suddenly sing two notes higher. According to band legend, Cass was now able to sing John Phillips' harmonies and was invited to join the group. The Mamas and the Papas were formed. Although she was hospitalized at the time, Cass had no subsequent history of headaches, memory loss, or any other indication of long-term damage caused by this injury. So, I can discount this from contributing to her death nine years later. However, the story masked an uncomfortable truth. John Phillips had been reluctant for Cass to join the group, but it wasn't because of her voice. The reason John didn't want her in the band in the first place was because of the way she looked. He didn't want an unattractive person, and he considered fat unattractive. Cass's inclusion in the band was eventually insisted upon by the record company, and the accident became a convenient excuse. It served all their purposes, and it got round them having to explain John's initial reluctance. But John Phillips continued to persecute her for the way she looked. In the song Creek Alley, a lyrical history of the band, he wrote, It was a complex issue because Cass had to sing the songs that John was writing because he was writing hit songs, but that didn't necessarily mean she was happy about it. The death certificate states myocardial degeneration due to obesity as the cause of Cass's death. Although I do not believe this is the sole cause, it is clearly a factor. Obesity is most commonly caused by a poor and excessive diet. And I can see no family history of obesity, so I'm ruling out genetic causes. Therefore, I want to know what set her on this extreme and destructive path of overeating. 1948, Washington, D.C., until the age of seven, Cass was an only child. Shortly before the birth of her sister, Cass was sent to live with her grandparents. Having survived poverty in Poland, her grandparents enjoyed overfeeding visitors at their home. Cass was no exception, and by the time she returned to find her parents busy with her baby sister, Cass would later claim she had developed a relationship with food that was to last all her life. Yes, she was addicted. Addiction, I understood, was a disease of more. I want more of what makes me feel good. And that was Cass. Cass made many attempts to achieve a healthy weight, but was unsuccessful. She was always struggling with weight, going on diets, trying to lose weight, trying to lose weight, trying to lose weight. It's clear that Cass battled with her weight throughout her life. And in an article published after a significant weight loss, Five years before death, she said, I don't care what anyone says, it's not fun to be heavy. I'm a naturally happy person, but there were times when I was so depressed about my weight 
that I'd stay at home so people wouldn't see me. I can see that the first attempt to address this was as far back as her mid-teens, when she was prescribed potentially dangerous diet pills by her family doctor. Dr. Linda Papadopoulos, psychologist. You're a young teenager. You're trying to establish your identity. You, you want to look like other people. I think the fact that um, they're acknowledging the weight as an issue probably in her mind would have been a confirmation that there's something wrong with her, that there's something to fix. Diet pills at this time were amphetamine-based. They're stimulants that act as appetite suppressants. They increase the heart rate and blood pressure, and they are highly addictive, making sustained use dangerous for long-term heart health. We don't know how long Kaz took the pills, but we do know that they didn't work. There are no accounts that she developed an addiction to amphetamines, and there were none in her system at the time that she died, so I can rule out amphetamine use as a cause of death. However, I do notice that in her late teens, Cass began to use other drugs, and I wonder whether this might be the key to uncovering how she really died. If you're a celebrity, you're surrounded with people giving you drugs. We were like a bunch of new puppies trying everything out. What's this? What's that? Cass would just about experiment with anything. We're all overbooked, overstimulated, and constantly running on empty. For me, I'm always rushing to produce episodes, and then I have other obligations, projects I'm working on, and I barely have enough time to eat complete meals, let alone prepare healthy ones. But being busy doesn't mean you have to resort to takeout or overly processed food. That's why I love Daily Harvest. They deliver the foods you want to eat, but don't have time to make right to your door. Daily Harvest makes it easy to eat more fruits and vegetables with thoughtfully sourced, chef-crafted foods that can be prepared in five minutes or less. They work directly with farms to harvest organic fruits and vegetables at their peak and then freeze them within 24 hours to lock in their nutrients. Everything stays fresh until you're ready to enjoy it. Choose from more than 65 different options like smoothies, hearty soups, harvest bowls, and overnight oats. Each recipe takes one step to prepare with room to make them your own. Add your favorite milk to blend up a smoothie or heat up a harvest bowl and top it with an avocado or a fried egg. Right now it's really rainy in LA so I'm loving all of the different soup options that Daily Harvest has. Whether you're at home, at your desk, or on the go, Daily Harvest is the easiest way to have a delicious and nutritious meal or snack. Go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code AUTOPS to get $25 off your first box. That's promo code AUTOPSY for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. That's dailyharvest.com. On July 29, 1974, the world was shocked by the death of the Mamas and the Papas singer Cass Elliott. She was just 32. Many rumors still surround the cause. World-renowned forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter is investigating the case. Cass's obesity placed her at risk for considerable health problems, but it doesn't give an immediate answer to her untimely death. Throughout her life, Cass made many unsuccessful attempts to lose weight. The first of these was in her mid-teens when she was prescribed amphetamine-based diet pills. Records indicate that while she didn't develop any habitual use of these drugs, she did start using others in her late teens. I'm wondering if these were somehow responsible for her death. Early 1960s, California. With her warmth and sense of fun, Cass soon became known as the queen of the L.A. pop society. She had these parties that the Beatles would be at. You know, there would be the old Rolling Stone. Anybody who was anybody ended up at a party of Cass's. She was at the heart of the scene 
where experimentation with drugs and free love was becoming fashionable. We were just singing and laughing and dancing. We were like a bunch of new puppies trying everything out. What's this? What's that? How does this work? It was like exploring everything. According to reports, Cass began smoking marijuana regularly while still in her teens and continued to do so throughout her life. Marijuana was not the only drug that was beginning to gain popularity in the 1960s counterculture. Alcohol had been the creative, recreational pastime of choice for their parents' generation. But for them, acid was something extremely new, and it was like, hey, what's this amazing new thing that you can have these extraordinary experiences with? Anyone who was hip was keen to discover it. I think Cass would just about experiment with anything that came to the door. I don't think there's much evidence of addiction in those early stages. I think that probably just fed into her being um, someone other than just the fat girl. She was quirky, she was a rebel, she was doing stuff that a lot of girls wouldn't have been doing. Acid or LSD is a powerful hallucinogenic drug that gives users a distorted view of their senses and reality. But while acid and cannabis can be powerful, death by a fatal dose of either is extremely rare. Toxicology report indicates that there was no cannabis in her system, and LSD would likely not have been picked up by the testing, but accounts from those around her indicate that she was not using it at the time. So it is reasonable to conclude that neither drug was in her system when she died. July 25th, 1974, London, England, four days before her death. Cass makes one of her regular calls to ex-husband and confidant, Donald. Cass and I stayed in touch and became really good friends after we got divorced. When I talked to her on the phone about three phone calls before the last phone call, she sounded really down. She thought that her agent had paid George to be her boyfriend, and she was devastated. Cass is notoriously unlucky in love. If her suspicions are correct, that her current boyfriend, George Caldwell, is on the payroll of her agent, this will be a devastating blow to her confidence. Last time I saw her, she was by herself, and she's sobbing. Oh, Barry, she says, nobody loves me. She wanted to be loved like every woman wants to be loved for who they are, not for their talent, not for the way they look. And I don't think she ever found that love. Cass had many unrequited love affairs with men she was close to, and the one that hurt the most was the Mamas and the Papas co-singer, Denny Doherty. She always seemed to go for the guy that didn't quite want her, almost as if to confirm this view that she had of herself, of, of being unlovable, of not being sexy enough. Denny didn't love her romantically, and it broke Denny's heart because he didn't want to hurt her. And things got worse when Denny had an affair with her good friend and bandmate, Michelle, John's wife. The Mamas and Papas were over before the first album was released because of the strife within the group. And, and, and Cass was hurt by it all. After the affair, Cass felt she had no choice but to leave the band and embark on a solo career. One of my good friends, I can say now, the fabulous Mama Cass Elliott. And there was an important reason for Cass's solo career to be a success. I'd like to sing this song especially for my little daughter. 
In April 1967, six months before leaving the Mamas and the Papas, Cass had given birth to a daughter, Owen Vanessa Elliott. Cass chose never to reveal the identity of the father. But it was known that he was not part of her immediate circle. The financial pressures of life as a single parent led Cass to take work that she was not always comfortable with. She hated the fact that a lot of the time when she was doing TV shows... One thing to remember is that you should never eat too much yogurt at a time. People would build her weight into the script and make her the butt of the joke. The most yogurt that I've ever eaten in one time is uh, a ton. She was living a rock star lifestyle with a big house and big bills. She needed to earn a living and support her daughter. And that was where the work was. But without the support of the band, the mounting personal, professional and financial pressures were beginning to take their toll. Cass was probably clinically depressed. She just didn't have the right medical tools to deal with the depression, but she was definitely depressed. Judging by first-hand accounts, it's highly likely that Cass was depressed, although I see no record of any medication to treat it. However, there are many accounts that in this period after leaving the band, her drug use increased significantly, and she picked up some dangerous habits. We're doing everything. We're doing Nembutal, we're doing hash, we're doing grass. She liked things that made her calm and out of reality. Nimbutol is a pentobarbital, a very powerful sedative medication. And I can see that three years prior to her death, Cass suffered an overdose of this. Summer, 1971, Laurel Canyon, California. After a two-year long-distance courtship, Cass and Donald had married on June 26, 1971. In the early days of their marriage, the young couple enjoyed heady days of drug-taking in Cass's L.A. home. But just weeks into newly married life, Donald woke to find Cass unconscious after taking too many barbiturates. Yo, Cass. Cass. She didn't wake up the next morning. She was just lying there. Wake up, sweetheart. Come on, baby, Cass. She OD'd on Nembutal. Buddy, help me, please. And I couldn't wake her up at all. Hello, hello. Uh, she passed out. I don't know. The effects of a pentobarbital overdose include a weak pulse, lowered blood pressure, and unsteady, shallow breathing. Death often occurs when the degree of sedation is so great that the body simply forgets to breathe. I can see that despite her previous experience with sedatives, in the days before her death, Cass was prescribed tranquilizers by her London doctor. And I'm wondering whether the stress of the London shows and concerns around her personal life had led her to resume bad habits. Was this an accidental or deliberate overdose? In one way or another, did Cass Elliott take her own life?
Take coloring your hair at home to the next level with Madison Reed. You deserve gorgeous professional hair color delivered to your door, starting at $22. You know, for decades, women have had two options for coloring their hair, outdated, at-home color, or the time and expense of a traditional salon. Many Madison Reed clients comment on how their new hair color has improved their lives. Women love the results. Gorgeous, shiny, multidimensional, healthy-looking hair. This is game-changing color you can do at home and look as if you just came from the salon. What makes Madison Reed color unique is that it's crafted by master colorists who blend nuances of light, dark, cool, and warm tones to create over 55 gorgeous multi-dimensional shades. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com. For me, I have usually whenever I do dye my hair, I use something from the store because I just don't want to deal with going to a salon. But with Madison Reed, I found the process super easy to just go online and work through all the different questions and steps to make sure that you have the exact tone that you need. And then it arrives at your door and it's exactly the same as if you have gone to a salon. So it's a really great option for coloring your hair. Autopsy listeners get 10% off plus free shipping on their first color kit with code autopsy that's code autopsy cass elliott rose to fame in the mamas and the papas her untimely death at a young age shocked the world now renowned medical examiner dr michael hunter is closely investigating cass's life to establish exactly what caused her death i can see that cass elliott was a regular user of marijuana and lsd She also used barbiturates and tranquilizers, possibly as a way of escaping her feeling of low self-esteem arising from her morbid obesity, and to cope with the pressure she was under while establishing herself as a solo artist. July 20th, 1974, London, England. Nine days before her death, Cass is midway through her booking at the Palladium. Despite positive reviews from the first two nights, audience numbers have started to dwindle. And it's clear from a note written to her PA that her reliance on tranquilizers is back. In the weeks before her death, Cass Elliott was clearly under immense strain. So I have to question whether the pressure became too much and she became careless with her use of tranquilizers. Or worse, was she suicidal? I don't think anybody thinks of you as a mother having a little girl. It's great that you said that. Everybody knows I'm mom, I guess. I don't think she would have killed herself ever because of her daughter. She loved her daughter. Are you a good mother? Oh, yes. She wanted to lead a healthier life and be there for her daughter. (laughs) Anyway, I love her a lot. I bet you do. Cass left no note, and her friends believe that as a single mother, she would not have deliberately abandoned her daughter. And according to the toxicology report, there were no sedatives in her body when she died. So I can rule out death by accidental or deliberate overdose of these medications. But I have discovered that Cass sometimes turned to a harder drug to relieve her anxiety, heroin. Cass was introduced to heroin in 1968 and her use soon escalated. It's well known she was a heroin addict. I was surprised that she would go down that road. In another way, it didn't surprise me, because with Cass, there's always an element of escapism. At her worst, she would get into her big convertible Cadillac and drive into the worst parts of town to score drugs. At that time, heroin was used by many artists as a creative drug. It wasn't thought of as Skid Row junkies at all. It was considered a musician's drug. 
I think the reason that she was much more drawn to drugs that were downers was because she was constantly on. So this need to switch off the anxiety, the worry, the need to perform and be on would have been much more appealing to her. And despite her drug use, Cass was mindful of her responsibilities as a mother. We were never out of control high when we were at home because we were very aware of the daughter and of the nanny. And there's always people dropping by. Heroin works by latching onto opiate receptors in the brain. It stimulates high levels of dopamine, the neurotransmitter responsible for pleasure and reward. Users describe a warm sensation that is deeply relaxing and peaceful. However, death by overdose is easy, and there are accounts that she made inquiries about buying heroin in London just two weeks before she died. I'm concerned that if Cass was feeling anxious about her London shows, she may have used it. But in her last ever interview on BBC Radio, just days before she died, Cass sounded confident and optimistic for the future. As long as I can keep doing diversified things, I'll keep interested in my career. Yes. Uh, because I need the challenge of doing new things. Uh, it's important to me. I certainly would have known if she was using heroin, and she wasn't. And I don't think she would have gotten high while she was performing. I think she, once she got that standing ovation, I think that, that, was the, that was the drug she needed. The toxicology report also supports this. It showed that there was no heroin in Cass's system. So I'm ruling it out as a cause of death. July 23rd, 1974, London, England, six days before her death. In the months leading up to her London Palladium shows, Cass has been back on a strict diet, losing 84 pounds. But today she writes a shopping list for her PA, and it seems the diet is over. During her performance that night, Cass stops occasionally, telling the audience she needs to take a breath. I've been here. Get to my age. Scary words like heart attacks start floating around. Cass's history of intravenous heroin use placed her at risk for another potentially lethal condition, and that's pulmonary hypertension. In the 1970s, heroin was regularly cut with talc, which isn't soluble in the blood. Instead, it migrates to the lungs, causing a narrowing and stiffening of the pulmonary arteries, which in turn increases blood pressure in the lungs, which can result in chronic heart failure and death. The disease could have been progressing in Cass's body over the last couple years of her life. Symptoms include shortness of breath, dizziness, and fainting. Undiagnosed, pulmonary hypertension can kill within just a few years. On July 29, 1974, Following a successful string of solo performances in London, Cass Elliott died. World-renowned medical examiner Dr. Michael Hunter is investigating her untimely death. I've discovered that Cass had struggled with depression and self-esteem issues since childhood. She'd been taking a cocktail of prescription and recreational drugs since her mid-teens and was a known heroin addict. The toxicology report showed none of these drugs were found in her body, but 
I can't rule them out as an indirect cause of her death. In the week before she died, Cass was suffering from shortness of breath on stage, which, with her history of heroin abuse, could be linked to a chronic lung condition, pulmonary hypertension. And an event three months earlier could also point to this. April 23rd, 1974, New York, three months before her death. Cass is in the dressing room at the Tonight Show TV studio. She's preparing to guest host the program. But minutes before the show begins, she collapses. She's rushed to the hospital and spends four days recovering. Cass made light of the incident a few weeks before she died on the Mike Douglas show. My blood sugar level dropped and I just sort of tipped That's over. So you know, mother always used to say before you leave the house, make sure you change your underwear. God forbid you should be in an accident. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody ever tells you about passing out with curlers in your hair. That's a good look. The generally accepted reason for the collapse was exhaustion. But for me, this is another possible symptom of pulmonary hypertension. July 27th, 1974, 10 p.m. Cass finishes her final show. It's a sellout audience, and the run ends on a high. There was a new light burning that wasn't there before. I can do this, was the was saying, you know. 11 p.m., Central London. After the show, Cass goes on to celebrate her friend Mick Jagger's birthday. She drifts on to a couple of after parties, and the festivities continue well into the next day. July 28, 1974, 7.45 p.m., Mayfair, London, the day before her death. Cass finally returns to the apartment, having had no sleep for over 24 hours. One of her dancers, Joe Croyle, is already home. The pair talk for a while. Cass tells him about the party. She says she's tired and goes to have a bath, telling Joe she's hungry. He then goes to the fridge and makes her a ham sandwich. Cass is in the bathroom, so Joe leaves the sandwich by the bed and heads out for the evening. Good night, Cass. I'm going out. See you later. The legend around Cass's death is that she choked on a ham sandwich while eating in bed. And... While this may have been a freak accident, if she had been drinking or taking drugs, her swallowing mechanism may have become impaired, putting her at a higher risk of choking. July 29th, 1.30 a.m. Joe Croyle returns to the apartment. Hearing the sound of Cass's television, he looks into her room. Cass is lying naked in bed, snoring. He considers turning the TV off, but is worried he will wake her, so closes the door and returns to the living room where he falls asleep on the sofa. July 29th, 3.45 p.m. Cass's boyfriend, George Caldwell, arrives to find Cass is still in bed. Good morning. Where's Cass? She's still asleep. Still? Big night. <laughs> Seen her again? She has been sleeping for over 14 hours. 
After the exertions of her London performances, her colleagues haven't disturbed her. They were waiting for her in the other room, and she always slept late till, you know, 12, 1 o'clock. And now it was 2 o'clock, and now it's 3 o'clock, and now it's 4 o'clock. Concerned that Cass is still asleep, George asks her personal assistant, Dot, to go and check on her. But something is wrong. Cass isn't waking up. She's either asleep or she's dead. George goes to the door, he knocks on the door, and goes, hey, Cass, you okay? Cass! No answer. Cass is motionless. There is fluid at her mouth. She is cold and unresponsive. He went in, he found her, she was gone. Cass's London physician, Dr. Anthony Greenberg, was the first to examine her at the scene. He told the press that she appeared to have choked on a ham sandwich, commenting that she had been eating lying down, which, due to her size, was a very dangerous thing to do. My friend called me to say that uh, Cass Elliot passed away in her sleep. I was stunned. I couldn't believe it. It's just horrible. I mean, for her to be dead and, and so young, it was the loss of a great, great love affair and friend. On August 3rd, 1974, more than 300 family, friends, colleagues, and well-wishers attended Cass's funeral at the Hollywood Memorial Cemetery. Members of her old group, the Mamas and the Papas, were there. Her fans, in the hundreds, came to say goodbye. It was a great loss. I mean, when, when anybody goes that you love, and especially her, I mean, she was... Some people aren't supposed to die, you know? She was one of them. According to Dr. Greenberg's initial assessment, Cass Elliott choked to death. Fatal choking occurs when the trachea is blocked by an object such as food, and oxygen cannot enter into the lungs. This lack of oxygen will begin to affect the brain, and brain cells will begin to die within minutes, causing irreversible damage. But an autopsy carried out the following day determined that there was no food obstructing her trachea, and in fact, the food beside her bed hadn't even been touched. The fluid around her mouth represented a common postmortem artifact of liquid coming from the mouth and nose called purge. So I can rule out choking as the cause of death. However, the original story was hard to shake off, eventually becoming an urban legend. It was latched onto by the press, a star who was famous for their weight, therefore must have died in relation to eating. Whoever wrote that, you know, it's just a schmuck. I think this is, you know, a small glimpse of what she went through throughout her life. This kind of fat shame. She was a fat girl. She ate too quickly. She was a glutton. She choked. And it's really sad that, you know, all these years later, it's it's still something that, you know, has become the mythology around this, this amazingly talented young woman. After the inquest into Cass's death, 
the media began to speculate that her history of dieting had caused her heart to fail. Throughout her life, Cass was known to have dieted regularly. She lost significant amounts of weight several times only to gain it back. Yo-yo dieting over a number of years would certainly have put Cass's heart under strain, especially if her heart is already compromised by her obesity. This kind of weight cycling impacts blood pressure, increasing Cass's risk of stroke and heart attack. In the days following Cass's death, rumors of a conspiracy theory began to circulate. Cass had Cartier bracelets that they were all missing. Her address book was missing. The end tables on both sides of the bed were completely clean, like someone had gone in and cleared up the evidence. Had the reasons for Cass's death been covered up in some way? On July 29, 1974, Cass Elliott was found dead in a London apartment. The cause of her death has remained in question until now. Dr. Michael Hunter, chief medical examiner in one of America's biggest cities, believes he's getting close to uncovering the truth. The conclusion given at the time was that this was a straightforward case of a woman who died because at 224 pounds, she was twice the recommended weight for a woman of her height. However, it seems highly unlikely that this alone could explain the death of a woman of 32. Cass's heart was significantly compromised in a number of ways. Her drug use, a history of yo-yo dieting, the considerable exertions of her London Palladium performances, the suspected pulmonary hypertension, and the effort of carrying around twice her healthy body weight. All of these put her health in great jeopardy. Another major risk factor on an already strained heart is a habit that she picked up in her teens, smoking. She was said to smoke around 40 cigarettes a day. Smoking significantly increases the risk of developing cardiovascular diseases such as atherosclerosis, leading to heart attack and strokes. But my instinct in a case like this would be that the probability of drug involvement is high. If Cass had been taking drugs, the death scene would have been an invaluable source of information. However, shortly after her death, friends began to hear rumors that the death scene had been tampered with. Her address book was missing. The end tables on both sides of the bed were completely clean and polished, like someone had gone in and cleared up the evidence. Now, this is all speculation. It was very clean. That in itself is suspicious. If the scene was tampered with, crucial clues to Cass's final hours were deliberately destroyed. The confusion was not helped by inconsistencies in information given to the press by medical professionals investigating the death. After the autopsy, pathologist Keith Simpson concluded that Cass had not died of natural causes and that more tests were needed. But at the inquest a week later, a different verdict was given. Cass died of natural causes. There was no evidence that she'd been taking drugs, but the Home Office pathologist did tell the court the infiltration of fat had gone so far as to convert some of the muscle wall of her heart actually into fat itself. However, I'm not convinced of this. We know that neither heroin nor barbiturates were found in the toxicology, but there's another drug which may not have been tested for. There were rumors that at Mick Jagger's party the night before she died, Cass had been using cocaine. 
In the early 1970s, the link between cocaine and death was not well established, so it's fair to assume that it may not have been tested for in the autopsy. I don't know if she took drugs to stay up all night. I really don't. But I would imagine, I mean, I did. If you're a celebrity, you're surrounded with people giving you drugs. Cocaine is a stimulant. It increases heart rate and blood pressure while constricting the coronary arteries and restricting blood flow to the heart. We know now that this can cause sudden cardiac death and the risks are further heightened in an individual with an already compromised heart. Cass was not a cocaine addict, but if she had been using the drug in the hours before she died, it could have been responsible for a fatal heart attack. There was speculation that her agent had arranged for the bedroom to be cleaned up before the police arrived to protect Cass's reputation. But in the absence of hard evidence, I can't safely conclude that drugs were directly responsible for her death. But there is something else. The last person to see her alive reported that he'd looked in on Cass in the early morning hours, and she'd been snoring. With the added factors of her weight, heavy smoking, and history of drug use, it makes me think of one thing, and that's obstructive sleep apnea. This is a relatively common condition where the walls of the throat relax and narrow during sleep, interrupting normal breathing, and symptoms include loud snoring, and noising or labored breathing, and it results in a lack of oxygen to the brain. The chief risk factor that applied to Cass at the time of her death was her weight. Excessive body fat increases the bulk of soft tissue in the neck, which can strain the throat muscles. Excessive stomach fat can also lead to breathing difficulties, and smokers are at an increased risk of developing sleep apnea. There are other reports that describe Cass as having a sometimes rattly breath in her sleep, and she regularly complained of being tired during the daytime, indicating a pattern of broken sleep. A sudden drop in blood oxygen triggers the release of adrenaline, which increases the heart rate and tightens blood vessels, thereby increasing blood pressure. This increase in blood pressure and heart rate could easily have overwhelmed Cass's already weakened heart, triggering a heart attack. Cass Elliott died after many years of playing Russian roulette with her health. Her weight, her drug taking, and her sleep apnea all combined to create a sad inevitability to the early death of this much-loved and admired artist. Stand in line until you think you have the time to spend an evening with me. You couldn't help knowing that you were around a very talented person, and she was special in a way that she made you feel special. She had this self-image that she was just a big, fat girl from New York, but man, when she walked on stage, all that just fell away, and she was just spiritual explosion. She was smart, she was funny, she was lover, friend, sister, all those things wrapped up in this beautiful, beautiful package. I love you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autopsy. Don't forget to subscribe at podcast1.com with the Podcast One app or at Apple Podcasts. 
Then go to Reels.com. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com for clips, extras, and more from the TV version of the series, including reenactments and autopsy photos you'll only see on Reels' channel. Find Reels on your TV at Reels.com. I'm Dr. Michael Hunter. 